You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Barrar on this Labor Day weekend. We've got a cool show for you today. We'll be talking with our friend Peter Nowak about uh, Canada's ad industry cracking down on paid endorsements on social media. I find this fascinating, Andy. It's an absolutely fascinating story. You know, there's a lot of social media superstars out there, whether it's on YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat. Well, different companies will work with them to promote their products because they have a huge audience. Like Kim Kardashian, for example. Kim Kardashian, case in point. But there's there's thousands of other people that aren't Kim Kardashian that you would never know are being paid to be exactly. endorsing a product. Now, the thing is, a lot of times they make this endorsement, you think it's genuine, and you don't know that somebody paid them yeah. to do it. And so now it looks like the ad agency in Canada now is trying to curb on that because as a consumer you have kind of a right to know whether it's on TV or online if, it, if this is an advertisement you're looking at or if it's something that is editorial. Well, we'll uh, be learning all about that from Peter Nowak. We'll also be getting the latest in Apple rumors. Apple has a big uh, announcement coming out next week. Is it the new iPhone 7? Will there be new Apple watches? Well, we've got uh, our good friend Dan Bader from Mobile Nations to give us the lowdown on that as well. Lots of interesting stuff in the news uh, this week, uh, Andy. One thing that kind of caught my attention was... Uh, Tesla, um, the electric car company, yes. obviously uh, they've been uh, doing fairly well. One of their features that's been in the news uh, the past year is autopilot. And essentially, if you have this feature in your Tesla electric car, it will drive itself. But some people aren't really following the rules. No, and we've seen this on social media, uh, pictures of people playing chess while their car is driving, brushing their teeth, reading the newspaper, and in some cases even taking a nap while the car is, is you know, self-driving itself. And that is very, very dangerous. This whole autonomous driving is very new. And it's still, you know, I guess you could say a little bit buggy. And Tesla does not want people taking advantage of that feature. people have died. People have died. Yes. And it makes Tesla look bad. So what they've done has been proactive and started to curb on that, especially the bad people that do not... I guess, deserve that self-driving feature. So uh, not to confirm yet, but rumor is that with the next uh, updates uh, to the uh, autopilot software, it may include programming that uh, limits functions for Tesla drivers who disregard the safety prompts. Uh, essentially, every so often, it'll tell uh, the driver to put you know both hands on the wheel. And uh, if they don't, and again, this is uh, just rumored right now, uh, the car uh, will basically uh, make, uh, make the, the car come to a complete stop yeah. safely, and uh, they'll basically have to reboot the car before they can do the autopilot feature. It's kind of like you're getting a timeout. <laughs> totally, totally. Right? You're, you're getting in trouble. The car's like, no, uh, you need to drive better. It's a very different approach than what Ford is doing. I don't know if, what you, Ford, if you've seen what Ford is, but they have this app, and they will measure your driving habits, how you brake, how you accelerate, and it kind of gamifies everything. It makes it look like you get an award, and it scores your driving ability. And what they were trying to do is make it almost like a game where you're trying to drive in a certain manner where you're not braking too hard, you're not accelerating if you don't have to, and you're, you're being more efficient with your gas as well. And so that's one approach to do it, whereas Tesla is going to put you in detention if you are behaving badly. Facebook this week uh, also uh, announced, and they're doing this now, uh, they're ditching humans that manage the uh, the trending topics feature. So if you go on your Facebook page on the right-hand side, there's like uh, a little trending topics, basically all the uh, things on Facebook that are very popular right now. Maybe it's about Kim Kardashian. Maybe it's about Tesla cars. Of course, there's always something about Trump in there. 
in the past, that was managed by humans. They actually looked at all the popular things coming up in Facebook, and they decided what they thought would be interesting to Facebook users. But now they've gotten rid of the humans, and it's computers that are basically choosing them. Now, what, what do you think about this? Because this is a oh, really— What could go wrong, right? <laughs> well, it, it's interesting because if you're in charge of picking what's trending— you have tremendous power yes. on the kind of things that people are going to see. And they've gotten criticism saying that you have, um, but you've been biased on this one story and not this. You're not telling our story. So what Facebook thought is let's take the human subjectivity out of it and just get bots to do it. And this could blow up in their face or this could actually be a good algorithm that basically accumulates everything that people are talking about online and then highlighting them as a trending story. It's interesting. Um, you know, obviously, there's a few kinks out of the gate. Uh, you know, this one CNN reporter is basically saying in his trending topics, uh, you know, go topless day, Al Roker. Uh, I've heard about other really weird stuff I don't, can't even say on, on, on <laughs> air. Uh, so I think they have uh, a few things to work out. But, you know, can computers really choose things efficiently? Uh, you know, will they be taking the bias out of the, the human choosing? You know, another interesting thing about this story is that Mark Zuckerberg has really come out and said publicly, you know, we're, we're not trying to be a media company. But the funny thing is, is this is where everybody is getting their news. They're getting it on Facebook. They're subscribing to these different news channels, whether it be, you know, popular blogs in your city, like what you have over here. What's it called? Daily, not Daily Vice. Uh, Daily Hive. Daily Hive. Um, you know, a lot of millennials, that's where they get their news from, and it comes through social media or the, the more traditional ones like the, you know, the CKWs of the world also on social media. But that's where people are getting their news. And Facebook's saying they're not a media company, but they have a lot of power. But in they what kind you of see. are. They're becoming that, don't it, you think? Yeah. Well, of course they are. You know, there's some journalists now that are, are basically calling for Facebook to uh, have fact checkers. Yeah. that basically are fact-checking a lot of these articles that are being posted and reposted on, on Facebook. And i, I got to be honest, it drives me crazy sometimes when I'm looking at my Facebook feed. Maybe I'm on Facebook too much, Andy. I don't know. Uh, you are. I am. Okay. Uh, people are posting stuff all the time, quotes, articles. And i got to say that, you know, at least from my experience, at least half of them are bogus. Yeah. They're like from no-name uh, journalistic uh, websites, uh, and a lot of them are just kind of made up. Clickbait. Clickbait. Yeah. And, you know, I look at them, and then I just do a quick <clears throat> fact check myself, and it's wrong. Yeah. But that's that's the news. That's what so, a lot of people are believing are real. Facebook argues we're not a media company because we don't create any content. We're not making this content up. We're just but They finding. have a responsibility. They do. Think. I agree. I agree 100%. And if they don't do any kind of fact, they're trying to get rid of the clickbait. They got algorithms now yeah, to try to find, good. you wouldn't believe what happens next. You know, those kind of things. It'll flag it. But at the same time, they have to be, that, that's the one thing we're losing. That, that, you know, like journalists, true journalists, how they have to live by a code. Right now, especially with bloggers and people out there, you could say whatever you want. And unfortunately, when you have platforms like Facebook, sometimes your good people are going to believe it. And Facebook really has a responsibility to, get that garbage out of there. But, yeah, but that's tough, right? Like how well, much stuff is being posted? Yeah. They'd have to have armies of these people. Mm -hmm. So I can see why they don't want to do it. I don't know. They'd rather have robots do it. Exactly. Get the robots in. Uh, we've uh, checked out this new Samsung Galaxy Note phone. The Note 7. The smartphone. We thought it was a beautiful phone. Probably phone of the year. You it, know. Until maybe next week. It, well, <laughs> when thus Apple, far, yes. Thus far. 
it, it is a beautiful phone, but there's some reports now uh, coming out of the U.S. and Asia that some of them are catching fire. Yes. Now, earlier we heard that they were having uh, issues with the shipping of this phone because it was released. Basically, everybody in the tech world, a lot of journalists like and, and people like ourselves really log- like this phone. It's a beautiful phone. It's probably the best phone thus far. And, you know, we haven't seen the iPhone 7 yet. But when we heard about the shipping issues, we thought it was because of demand, the pre-orders. They couldn't, they had so many pre-orders, they couldn't, you know, they had a supply issue. But now it looks like they're blowing up the phone. Something's wrong with the batteries. Consumer Report found out that some of these phones blow up when you're charging them or just after you charge it using their charger. And now Samsung is looking into this issue and it may be that some of their phones are having this issue and they don't want to put it out on the on the market until they figure this out. And that's why you can't, it's hard to get one of these Note 7s. Well, we'll be following that uh, story in the coming weeks. Uh, hopefully they can get that uh, issue resolved uh, if it is a big issue. Bad timing though with Apple's uh, iPhone coming out. So, Well, that's an interesting segue. Uh, later on in the program, we'll be talking with our friend Dan Bader about the latest iPhone rumors uh, for the announcement coming up next week. So you'll want to stay tuned. Some pretty cool stuff. After the break, we'll be talking with Peter Nowak. Should bloggers disclose whether they're being sponsored uh, for an endorsement if they're talking about a product? Well, uh, the ad industry thinks so. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Barrar. You'll want to stay tuned on later for the show. We'll have the latest in the iPhone Rumors. Apple's doing a big announcement next week, so uh, we've got the hottest rumors uh, that we can. We don't. We don't really talk about rumors until like the week before, because then we can check to see if we were right. (laughs) And last couple years, we've been really right, so this will be interesting. It'll. It'll be interesting. Right now, though, we want to talk to our friend Peter Nowak. He's a freelance tech journalist, uh, also author of Humans 3.0. And uh, Peter, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. We uh, wanted to chat today uh, about an article you did, and I found this fascinating. Uh, Canada's ad industry is uh, going to be cracking down on paid endorsements on social media. And this is kind of a fascinating thing for me because we look at all these uh, digital celebrities now. You've got the Kim Kardashians, all the YouTube stars, the Instagram stars, uh, and a lot of them are actually being paid to endorse products and services, but you don't always know when that's happening. Yeah, definitely. In fact, I'd probably say that most of the time you don't know what's happening. Uh, And it's funny because in the United States, they've had rules that have mandated such disclosures since 2009. Uh, So Canada's finally getting on that bandwagon. But then, you know, the, the, the bigger question there is, if the U.S. has had the rules since 2009, why is this really still happening? I mean, if you kind of, if you kind of, took care of the disclosure situation in the U.S., it probably wouldn't be that big of an issue here in Canada, but it is. So it kind of suggests that the U.S. rules aren't exactly all that effective either. So who who cares about this in Canada? What uh, what agency? Well, here so far it's the it's Advertising Standards Canada that's, that's getting involved in this, and that's basically the ad industry's uh, self-regulating body. So this is an organization that has been administering an advertising standards code since, uh, like, 1963, I believe it is. And so what they generally do is, you know, if you think of uh, old-school advertising on TV or radio, if somebody complains about an ad for whatever reason, maybe it's got, you know, swearing or something in it or it's too overtly sexual or whatever, this is the agency that would look at it and 
And if there was something wrong with it, they would talk to the advertiser and say, you know, can you fix this ad or can you stop running it and so on. And they say that in most cases, you know, the, the companies comply because, you know, they don't want to be in trouble or they don't want to be shamed or anything like that. Um, in a few cases where they don't, uh, then the Advertising Standards Canada will go to the actual medium on which the ad is airing or has been broadcast and will ask them, okay, can you please stop airing this ad? And generally that happens too. But, you know, there's no real, uh, there's no fines issued or anything like that. So it's kind of a, like, it is a self-regulating body, so they kind of try to keep things civil and keep things friendly. Peter, does the Advertising Standards Canada have any jurisdiction for stuff that happens online? Well, that's a good question. I think they do. Uh, I think it's the same situation, you know, that if, uh, it's kind of a name and shame thing, I think. If, 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 so these rules, which are going to be coming into effect later this year or by early 2017, if, you know, Advertising Standards Canada were to go to someone and say, can you please, uh, it should be, it's worth noting too that they're, just as in the U.S., they're actually going to go after companies instead of individual bloggers or social media influencers. Um, they're going to go after what, you know, the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission in the U.S., which is responsible for enforcing this stuff. They say that they go, they like to go after the root of the problem as opposed to the, the various plants that spring from those roots. Um, so the Advertising Standards Canada, they're going to have to, they're going to go after the companies as well. And it's the same situation where, you know, the companies, they don't generally want to go outside of this body because there's, there is, aside from the actual fines and there won't be any fines issued in Canada, uh, as opposed to the U.S. where fines can be issued. Uh, aside from those actual fines, there's the whole, you know, kind of harm to your reputation that could result if you are named as someone who is paying bloggers or paying Instagram users to tout your products without actually disclosing that they've been paid to do so. So I think that's what they're relying on. I guess it's kind of hard to enforce, though. That's one of the issues with this, especially being on an online platform. It is. It's definitely hard to enforce. You know, you generally have only a few people who are, um, you know, kind of watching for this stuff and, and dealing with it, whereas you have thousands upon thousands of people who are actually doing it, the, the influencers and bloggers and so on. So what I think what they're doing and what they've done in the U.S. is they've relied on uh, people to report it um, proactively. And in a lot of cases, it'll be uh, competitors that will actually report, you know, so like let's say in uh, Let's say you've got some company that's paying uh, Instagram users or Twitter users to say nice things about their phones, their smartphones, or something like that. Then it might be the competitors uh, of that company that will complain to the to the um, governing body and say, "Hey, we know this is happening. You know, it's kind of like they'll they'll be uh, launching an anonymous tip, uh, and then from there, it's the the governing bodies that will look into it, and if so, then take, and if they find that there's some problem there, then they take action. Do you think it's a big problem in Canada? Um, well, I don't know. It kind of depends on how you define big. Um, I think that it's an overall problem. Uh, you know, this is kind of there are similarities to between what used to happen in radio decades ago. I don't know if you guys remember the whole payola scandal that oh, yeah. used to go on. That's where you know radio DJs were paid by record labels to pay uh, to play specific songs, and of course that was bad. And it, uh, eventually, the Congress investigated this in the U.S. and they made all kinds of new rules. They they stopped allowing DJs to be able to play what they wanted. They record stations had had you know sort of um, uh, program managers that were above this sort of thing, 
and so on. And it's still actually happening. You know, it wasn't. It was only about ten years ago that the uh, the F, uh, I can't remember which government agency it was, but they they fined um, a number of of big radio, uh, sorry, record labels for continuing to do this. So that's decades later. You know, this is this is going to be happening. This is just sort of a ne- the new phase of it because it is online. So I think this is going to be an issue that's going to that's going to continue for for years to come. Well, I uh, appreciate you opening our eyes to it. Uh, Peter, where can people read the article? Uh, it's on alphabetic.com. I also wrote uh, something similar for CBC. So if you just Google it, you should be able to find that. Just uh, look for bloggers and uh, Advertising Standards Canada. Thanks again for joining us, Peter. My pleasure. That was Peter Nowak. He's a freelance tech journalist, also the author of Humans 3.0. Got to check that book out. It's pretty cool. I think it, you get it on Amazon. It is a good book. I uh, it was. I think it was the last book I actually read. So I, I'm more audiobook guy these days. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a fantastic book, and it really just shows how much technology has affected our lives. What's the contest this week, Andy? Well, it is uh, back to school coming up. So this is the last week for our Logic Back to School Prize Pack. Inside, you're going to get just about everything you need for going back to school. You'll be getting some headphones. A case for your iPad, a case for your MacBook, even a retro USB fan to keep you cool as you study late into the night. All you got to do is go to our website, getconnectedmedia.com, and enter the win, the Logics Back to School Prize Pack. Well, there's a lot of uh, Apple fans out there, iPhone folks, and Apple has a big announcement coming out next week. They are very secretive. Uh, They always kind of try to keep things close to their chest. But we've uh, got our friend Dan Bader. He's from Mobile Nations uh, coming on the line after the break to kind of give us uh, his thoughts on what we might see and hear next week. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by our friends at London Drugs. We'll be back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Barrar. I'm excited about this next segment, Andy. I'm, a, I'm, I'm a, an Apple and iPhone uh, junkie. Fanboy? Would you call? It, would you qualify yourself as an Apple fanboy? I, like, I like good technology, so Apple always seems to come out with some cool stuff. On the line right now, we've got our friend Dan Bader. He's the senior editor over at Mobile Nations. Thanks for coming on the show, Dan. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. You again. Exci- again? Are you excited? Yeah, I'm. You know, I'm always uh, I'm always excited when new products are announced. Apple seems to have the the singular ability to make everybody excited about anything they launch, regardless of how <laughs> big or small that product is. So, you know, I, I'm I'm excited about the the hype train. Uh, but this year is a weird year, and I'm sure we'll get to that. But it doesn't seem like there is as much excitement in 2016 as there have been as there has been in previous years. I don't know if you guys agree with that. Dan, are, are you going to the event this year? I am. I'll be there. Um, I'm, I'm flying in on the Tuesday. I'll be there on the Wednesday. And, and, and you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, Apple makes every moment of the event uh, an experience for both viewers at home and for the journalists on the ground like me. They kind of take you through the process afterward. There's a lot of experts showing off the different products and, it's always a, a really fun experience to be there. You're on the A list, eh? <laughs> uh, well, I don't know about that. I'm I'm, I'm very lucky to be um, a part of a lot of great events, whether it's from <laughs> Apple or any other company. Good answer, Dan. Uh, so, <laughs> what are we? Uh, uh, let's start with um, iPhones. I think uh, the consensus is that they will most likely be announcing a new iPhone. Uh, some would say the iPhone Seven. What What are you What are you hearing out there? 
Well, just exactly that. They're going to be uh, like in previous, like since 2014 at least, there will probably be two variants, um, the iPhone 7 and the iPhone 7 Plus. And like the iPhone 6 and 6S, the Plus variant will have a slightly better camera setup because it's a bigger phone. It'll have a bigger battery and it'll last longer. And what we're hearing is that the, the bigger phone, the Plus variant, will have a special dual camera setup, which means that it'll have two separate sensors uh, that'll allow for users to do some really interesting things. Uh, what, that, what those things will be remains to be seen, but we've seen it in previous phones. Huawei has a couple devices that have two camera sensors, and what it does at its core is just allow you to take better quality photos by combining the exposures from those two sensors. So ultimately, it, it means that they can keep the phones relatively thin while making sure that those, that photo quality gets amped up to the next level. And you most likely won't be seeing that in the smaller version. Uh, well, probably not. Like in previous versions, Apple wants to make uh, wants to keep those two very distinct. They want to justify the extra hundred dollars uh, for you know for people to buy it, not just for the larger size, but because it's it's an overall better phone. And, and this is a strategy they've taken with many devices from the iPhone to the iPad, to the Mac, and it's, it's a way to get people excited about upgrading. So, if, you know, as opposed to having, you know, the one smaller phone that does everything, you know, if, they, if you have a, a cheaper iPhone this year, you may want to upgrade to the big iPhone next year because it's aspirational. It's something that you, you, you won't know that you have all those, the, you, you can do all those cool things until you have the phone in your hand. An interesting rumor that's really gained steam over the past few months is that the new iPhone will not have a headphone jack. Well, I, I think that rumor is, is, is accurate. And um, I, uh, I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, I'm going to throw it back on you guys because I've been using this phone. It's the Moto Z. It's a Verizon exclusive right now, but you know I, I got my hands on it a couple weeks ago. And it's the first phone that I've used that doesn't have a headphone jack. It has an adapter that you plug into the USB port at the bottom and you plug in your headphones that way. But I never, I can never find the adapter when I need it. <laughs> so it's really frustrating. I have to dig into my bag and, and find it. And it's this tiny, dinky little thing. And I've lost it like six times by now. And I know Apple's going to have some sort of a solution to that problem. But I really don't see why it's a necessary thing unless the phone is so thin that it just physically can't fit into the chassis. It's interesting. Uh, I think a lot of people are, are looking at Bluetooth or wireless headphones now, but there's still millions of headphones out there that need the headphone jack. But Apple does have a history of killing things off. They, they, uh, they did that with the CD, remember that, yeah, on the MacBook? CDs, MacBooks? floppy disks, yep. uh, every, DVD drives, yep. everything. We'll, and even the USB ports. Now it's just USB-C on the new MacBooks. Do you think... That will uh, cause a lot of frustration for people, or is just this just the next evolution? It's both. It's going to cause a whole lot of frustration. Apparently, you know, I've spoken to many friends who have asked me, "Should I upgrade to the iPhone 7? I say, "Yeah, why not?" You know, if you don't, if you want the latest and greatest. And then the the second question is, "Is it true that it won't have a headphone jack?" And I say, "Yeah, probably." And they say, "Well, then there's no way I'm going to buy it." Period. So I've heard many people say that that is the deciding factor, and I I can see it from both sides. On one hand, 
Apple hates wires. They've been doing this for years. They've been trying to get rid of as many ports and as many wires from their products as possible. Wireless is certainly the future. But the, but the headphone jack is different. It's a universal jack. Every single, every single pair of headphones in the world, practically, ha- supports this single port. So you're alienating millions of people and millions of existing products by removing this. And it doesn't seem like there's a benefit to it inherently. You know, they moved from CD to, to USB. They got rid of the floppy drive. They got rid of the USB, the, 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 the um, CD port, because they failed, because they were moving parts, because there were tangible improvements to the next best thing. I don't see removing the headphone pack, uh, jack and emphasizing the, the, you know, the greatness of wireless headphones as being the inherent next best thing. It's a great alternative, but I don't think it completely overshadows the benefits of having wired headphones. I don't care because I use Bluetooth headsets all the time. <laughs> I, honestly, guys, I think it's a licensing. I think it's a business uh, decision because they do have the lightning part on there and they do own Beats headphones. So what they could do is say, if you do want a wired headphone, now you connect through the lightning port and then they can license that that port to all the different headphone manufacturers out there. That seems something like Apple would do. It's going to be uh, definitely a possibility. Uh, they've already started doing that. They've licensed the Lightning port to a, a few companies for the uh, for headphones. I have a pair from a really nice uh, company called Audis, and they have a pair of headphones. They're really really high end, so they're not for everybody, but they're they sound fantastic. And what it, what Apple's going to do is they're going to emphasize the fact that the Lightning port can facilitate much higher quality audio. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to come back to that. Nobody can tell that the, phone, that the quality of the audio is going to be much higher when they're listening to 96 kilobit streams from Spotify. Well, only so. Neil Young is out there <laughs> who cares about the audio quality. But, but to, you're right to your point. You know, um, there are like purists out there, but the majority of the people really don't care because they're streaming that music and it's compressed already. Well, one of the arguments I've heard is that uh, by removing the headphone jack, it'll allow them to make thinner phones, yeah. which then goes to the next question I have to you, Dan. Form factor. I've seen a few things online that are... Uh, you know, supposed to be like an, an image of the new iPhone 7, a leaked image, and even there's a video out there now uh, as well. Do you think we're going to see a different form factor? Will it be uh, a different shape? Will it be thinner, the same? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's going to be the same. It's one of those weird things where as consumers and as journalists, we're used to seeing a new design every two years from Apple like clockwork. But it seems that for whatever reason, be it uh, components or, or just a business decision to continue the the current design uh, language because it, it doesn't really feel that old yet, it's not going to be that different than the iPhone 6 and 6S. It's going to look a little bit different from the rumors. Um, you know, I've seen the same things that you have. It'll have a different shape of for the, the camera. It'll have a slightly different shape around the, uh, around the sides. And what I think is the most interesting part is that they figured out how to get rid of those really ugly antenna lines on the back. But other than that, it's going to look very similar to what we have today. And a lot of people are saying, well, it's because they're waiting for the, you know, the 10th anniversary of the iPhone to really hammer home this brand new design with no home button. Uh, you know, it's going to be integrated into the screen as a touch sensor. It's going to be, uh, it's going to look completely different. 
But I really do think that it's just a matter, it's a, it's a very prudent business decision. This design works. Millions of people like using it. And there's really no need to completely reinvent the wheel if they don't need to. Dan, we're going to keep you on the line. We're going to have to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll uh, talk about some more of the rumors. Will there be new MacBooks, watches, iPads? Well, Dan's got the lowdown. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs, here on the Chorus Radio Network, back after this. You're back with Get Connected. We're talking all about Apple rumors. Apple's got the big announcement coming up this week, so we uh, are trying to go through what we think are the best rumors and most likely to be announced. We've got Dan Bader on the line from Mobile Nations. Thanks again for joining us. No problem. Thanks for having me. So we talked a lot about the iPhone 7, but of course they have other products uh, as well. What are some of the other highlights you think uh, will uh, be announced? Well, it's been two years since the Apple Watch was announced. It was officially launched in April of 2015, but it was announced at the same time as the iPhone 6 uh, in 2014 in September. And Apple has, um, they've been very cautious about the Apple Watch as, as a product. You know, they, they haven't released a new version every year like they have the iPhone and, and, and iPads. But it's time for an update. Uh, it's, a, it's getting a little bit long in the tooth. It's a little bit slow, even though they're coming out with some software improvements that are going to make the first generation version much faster. There should be a new design. It's going to look very similar, but it may be a little thinner. But the main takeaway here is battery life. The battery is going to last a lot longer and it's going to have GPS integrated into the into the watch, which means that you won't have to carry your iPhone around to get um, all of the location data when you go for a run. Because what Apple's found is that people don't really use apps on the watch. They, they really use it for two things, notifications from their phone and fitness. And fitness is a big, big selling feature for the Apple Watch, and they're going to reemphasize that with the second-generation version. Uh. I'm I'm wondering, yeah, just about the, uh, the the battery life is a big thing for me. I I have an Apple Watch now and I love it. Uh, I'm just wondering if they can actually squeeze more juice out of these things. Uh, you know, I only get about a day on my Apple Watch. And I think they will. Uh, so we have to remember that the even though the Apple Watch was, you know, it, it seemed very fast and fluid when you when when you first got it. Uh, it was using silicone. It was using a chip inside that was really old, even for the time that it was launched. It was a variant of the, the chip that launched in the iPhone 5. So when you think about that, it, it, it really it wasn't a modern piece of hardware even when you got it. And they did the best they could with it. But at the end of the day, it wasn't the most efficient uh, chip inside. And they've had two years to perfect that. And if you look back to the difference between the first iPhone and the second, or the first iPad and the second, the, gener the, the generational gaps now seem enormous. And the same thing is likely going to happen with this version. It's going to be com completely different in terms of a user experience. We're not going to really have to worry about battery life. I'm assuming it's going to be you know, two to three days of battery uh, minimum. And it's going to be a whole lot more fluid just to use on a daily basis. So I think that's really the big takeaway here. They're not going to have to completely reinvent the, the, the product. They just need to work out the kinks from the first generation version. Dan, you mentioned that the majority of people that have an Apple Watch use it for two things, notifications and for fitness. But do you think they're still going to create these apps for the Apple Watch? Because I remember when it first came out and they were showing the integration and, and I was like, do people really want to interact with apps you know, on a small screen like that? What, what do you think is going to happen moving forward? I think we're going to see uh, an experience that, that similar to what they're doing with iOS 10, 
where instead of opening an app explicitly on your watch, which people don't really want to do, you'll be able to do a lot of things from the notifications themselves. So you'll be given a choice, and you'll be able to say yes or no to that choice directly from the notifications. So when you currently today, when you get, say, a Facebook notification, you can like that post directly from your Apple Watch. Or if you get an Instagram alert, you can like it directly from the Apple Watch. We'll be seeing more complicated and more um, more uh, advanced versions of that type of interaction where you won't have to hunt for a specific action. It'll come to you in the form of a notification. And I think that's really the kinds of interactions people want to have with a smartwatch because it's very, it's much less friction than, than, you know, pecking a small screen and trying to do what you do on a smartwatch and I, on a smartphone. And I think Apple's learned that lesson as have, as has every manufacturer that's created a smartwatch because people just don't want to use apps on these things. They're slow and they're very, very limited. We got one minute left here, Dan. Uh, what do you think about uh, an iPad or MacBook refresh? Or is that going to be another day? Yeah, I think they, they launched the iPad Pro, the smaller one in uh, March, and, and that one's still got a long life left. The big iPad Pro, it's a computer, and people don't really replace their computers every year, so Apple's not going to do that. They may update the iPad Pro in October along with the Macs, where uh, they, they usually do it every year. And uh, they're definitely, definitely due for a MacBook refresh. So we should see the newest Intel chips inside these devices, and uh, they should finally be much faster than they were uh, in previous years because we haven't had a, a big MacBook Pro refresh in at least a couple of years. Dan, I want to thank you so much for joining us uh, on the line. Uh, can you tell us uh, where people can find more information about you and all your good stuff you're writing? Sure, yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at JourneyDan. Uh, that's Journeyman with a D. And I'm at imore.com if you want to learn more about uh, my, my coverage for the iPhone and androidcentral.com for uh, Android products and, and reviews. So there you go. Thanks for having me. That was Dan Bader, Senior Editor of Mobile Nations. When we come back, it's App of the Week time with Christina Stoyanova. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs, here on the Chorus Radio Network, back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. It's that time of the week, App of the Week with Christina. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. What do you got? Uh, I have a trivia app today. Okay. Just because... I mean, who doesn't love trivia? I got to be honest. I love trivia. I loved uh, games like Trivial Pursuit back in the day. Oh, you know what? I am fantastic at Trivial Pursuit. Okay. I could actually probably take you in that because I, I okay. won all the time. You know what? In you're, my mind. In my you're mind. You're on. <laughs> you're on. It's on like Donkey Kong. We are having a Trivial Pursuit Oh, do you remember that time off. we were waiting for an airplane? Uh, it was like a seven-hour delay and we played Scrabble on my iPad? Yeah. And I won. It was the most bizarre thing because sometimes your spelling skills terrify me. Can I be honest? I cheated. Yeah. I won't oh. tell you how. <laughs> 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 but hopefully that'll make you feel better. So tell me about this trivia app. Uh, it's called Sporkle. What? Sporkle. Sporkle. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Um, they actually have a website as well, um, but now they have a an iOS and an Android and actually even a Kindle app um, with trivia on it, and they update it on a constant basis, so you will never run out of trivia. So do you just play against the computer, or do you play others? Um, no, I think you can, That I think you play against the computer, sorry. Okay. 
what if the computer, which I, I know is much smarter than I am, <laughs> just beats me all the time? Wouldn't that be kind of demotivating? Well, I don't know if you want to call it like beating. It, they're more like quizzes, right? Okay. Just to test your overall knowledge. Yeah. But they're a great way to, you know, kill some time or, you know, keep your brain active and fresh and all that. And how much does this cost? It's free. And so, oh, no, I'm lying. No. How much? <laughs> it's two ninety nine. Two ninety nine, uh For iPhone and Android. Yes. Apparently, I'm having an off day today. Yeah. Spork, <laughs> sporkle. Yeah. And what I don't understand, it, is it like spam and pork, like trivia? Yes. They combine spam and pork, Mike. No. No. Just It's just called sporkle, it's, and I have to live with that. Okay. You know what? It's just a fun word to say. It's a stupid sporkle. name. It's a stupid name. I like it. Okay. <laughs> and you can go to their website as well. Yeah. Uh, so they actually have all of the trivia online as well. Um, and it's at sporkle.com. It's pretty cool. Sporkle, available for the iPhone and Android. Want to check it out.